Thank you so much to Mary and our praise band. Appreciate you leading us in worship today. Would you find either your Bibles, your smartphone, whatever it is that you might have, to, so that you might be able to look with us in 1 John chapter 2. We're going to be reading the verse, first 11 verses. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Encourage you to keep your Bibles open as we'll kind of look at different verses maybe along the way as well. We've been talking about uh, living with assurance and uh, we want to continue to look at verses uh, that have to do with living with the shirts, how important that is today. Normally, it is kind of our tradition, my tradition, that in January we have a particular series or books that we're looking at. We're looking at the three letters of John. And uh, as we do, we'll probably, we may extend that out just a little bit into February. I know that uh, next week as we come to the end of chapter 2, uh, the working title for next week's sermon is Jesus and the Beast. You've heard of Beauty and the Beast. This is Jesus and the Beast. As John talks about in his letter about anti, the Antichrist and the future Antichrist are here today. So we're going to talk about how we might be able to have assurance for the future as well. And then uh, two or three weeks out, February the 14th is on a Sunday. And 1 John 4 uh, particularly is about the love of God. And so we're going to take some time to be able to talk a little bit about uh, that as well. So hope that you'll come. We realize a lot of people are traveling today. And uh, or this weekend, so our prayers are certainly with those who are traveling. We know that our young people are away uh, at a conference today, and uh, love to see how that looks uh, uh, safe as well. But uh, the, but they're in Pigeon Forge, and uh, our prayers for them safety and travel. Know that there are those that are out either quarantined or sick, or maybe uh, we know that. Uh, uh, there are some that are still staying away. We understand that. And we welcome all those who are here today. Appreciate you all being a part of those who are watching online. And we often have as many or more watching online as we do here in person. And we appreciate that. We hope the tide changes soon. And that is that uh, more and more are able to come and be a part of worship uh, here in person as well. But we welcome you. We're glad that you're here. As a matter of fact, if you're a guest today, there's a connection card. If you're here, it is in front of you. If you're at home, it's on the website. You're not a member of Parkway. We'd love to know about you, and we'd love to get you on our mailing list, email list, those kinds of things, and be able to. But we welcome you here. We're glad that you're here uh, today as well. First John chapter two, verses one through eleven, is where we are at today. We know that the already. I know that you're glad that you are here, a part of what God is doing, and we know that He's prepared as well your hearts in order that he might be able to speak to us. This now is the word of God. My little children, John writes, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. By this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. Truth's not in him, but whoever keeps his word... In him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you've heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you've heard. At the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away. True light's already shining. Whoever says he's in the light hates his brother still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going, but the darkness has blinded his eyes. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. Well, 
for sake of illustrations, perhaps maybe you have on your door, maybe you've walked up to a door, maybe you weren't soliciting, but you've seen a sign that says no soliciting. If you are soliciting, maybe you might think, well, does this really apply to me? What kind of a solicitation is this? But I came across this particular sign. See if we can find I saw this sign, no soliciting. We're too broke to buy anything. We know who we're voting for. We have found Jesus. Seriously. Unless you're selling thin mints, please go away. Now, there, there's never been a clear sign, although kind of leaves room open for Girl Scout cookie sales, I guess, on that. Well, would that we could be as clear about who we are, who we belong to, and what we're about. Now, we're probably not going to wear signs around our necks. You can get rid of that sign. But you're probably not going to wear signs around our necks that is still up there, isn't it? Uh, that tell that we are believers in the Lord Jesus, but... Uh, I guess, you know, sometimes people wear T-shirts or say something about Jesus or love or maybe there's, a, you know, you can wear a cross around your neck or the fish on the car. Trouble is you want to be sure that if you're wearing something like that, you want to be sure that your behavior, I guess, represents that as well. But still, that does not quite represent the fact of what we want people to know and what we want to even know about ourselves, that we are abiding in Christ. But if you've got a Facebook page and you write verses on the page and say something about church, then you might want to be careful sometimes what you post, whether it has to do with something political or not, or something somebody you shared with you that you continue to share because you thought it's funny or thought-provoking. It may be that you want to think, WWJP, what would Jesus post or what would Jesus share? John does a couple of things for us here, answers a couple of questions. And the question, a couple of things he helps us to answer is, how can people know that you're abiding in Christ and that you know and that you belong to Him? And he also answers the question, how can we know for sure that we are abiding in Christ and Christ is in us? John answers those questions. Could it be in the first century they were asking the same kind of questions that we ask in the 21st century? And that is because I have people ask me from time to time, am I really saved? Do I really know Jesus? Do I really have Christ in my heart? People ask that question sometimes. Sometimes adults ask that question, that question because maybe they were saved or baptized as a kid and maybe they were afraid that they didn't understand everything about salvation or redemption as a child. Well, welcome to the club. I'm pretty sure that 50 years ago when I was saved and that I was baptized, I did not understand everything about salvation and redemption, and I'm still learning more and more about salvation and redemption today. But I can assure you, a child who loves the Lord and prays a sincere prayer, that prayer is heard in heaven. Uh, children have no problem being sincere. Adults sometimes do, but not children uh, also, sometimes somebody asks the question about, am I, am I still saved? Am I really saved? Because maybe of some sin that they have uh, sinned or maybe continue to find themselves in sin and they have their doubts. Every now and then, I'll hear somebody teach or hear somebody preach something like, if you're 99% sure you're saved and you have 1% doubt, then you're 100% lost. That, I believe, is false teaching because it's not really what we think or even what we've done, but we understand it is only because of what Christ has done in us. I'm also sure John writes to give you more understanding about your salvation so you might be able to live with assurance and can give a clear message to others. You've got some notes maybe that you picked up today or they're going to be on the screen as well. We're going to talk about how can I know that I belong to Jesus 
And how can I clue in other people too? First thing I think that John tells us is that you need to know that you know him. Know that you know him. We, we often talk about the difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. That is being able to know about Jesus and maybe being know the facts about the Bible and the New Testament, what Jesus did, and then truly having a personal relationship with Jesus. And it is my prayer that you will not leave here today, if you're listening today, that you will not leave this hour without knowing for sure that you have an understanding and that you know that you are abiding and have a personal relationship with Christ. These verses will help to do that very thing. However, we do need to know and understand that what you know about Jesus also becomes important. I'm going to talk about three words that are found in 1 John that I think we need to define today that will help us to understand what it is to be abiding in Christ. Now, these may or may not be words that you already know, but probably you may already understand and the definitions of these words, even if you don't know the words. Or these are words that you need to know about Christ as well. And the first word is this, three words to define, to walk in the light with assurance. These are actually in your notes last week, so we've caught up to where we were last week and be ready to move forward. But the first word, and I'm going to give you a multiple choice, the first word is koinonia. And I'm, I'm going to give you a choice here of three uh, definitions, and you choose the one that you think is the right definition. You ready for koinonia? Is it A, a coin-operated laundromat? B, a small Greek restaurant? Maybe that's a place that you like to eat. Or C, is it fellowship, communion, or close relationship? If you said C, you've got the right answer. C, if I wasn't going to be a preacher here, if this gig doesn't work out, I'm thinking of being a game show host. C, you've got the right answer if you said C. First uh, John chapter 1 and verse 3, the chapter before we just read. You might want to look at it. It says, That which we've seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Koinonia is a Greek word, and if you've been in church, you've probably heard that. Translated most often fellowship here in First John. It helps us to understand the kind of fellowship that we can have with the Lord that makes it possible to have a unique kind of fellowship with others, unlike any kind of sorority or fraternity or team or country club or work or neighborhood uh, friendship because it's from above. It's Christ-like in character. It's motivated by a greater purpose, and it lasts long beyond this life. It lasts for eternity. Parkway, can I tell you something? I believe that we're experiencing this kind of koinonia fellowship, and particularly as we think about what the Lord has done for us and as we seek to be able to move forward with a greater purpose and all join in together for the purpose and the vision that the Lord has for this church. But I also think that as we see why we're beginning to experience this, I think we realize also that we are maybe just beginning to scratch the surface of what could be. Koinonia is a kind of fellowship made possible because we're abiding in Christ. In fact, that phrase, abiding in Christ, is used several times in John's letters to help us to see the kind of relationship we can have with Jesus. All those who are in Christ have koinonia fellowship with Jesus. The quality of that fellowship is determined and often dependent on being intentional to walk in the light. One of the concepts found in John's epistles and in his letters about walking to the light and 
not in darkness. We read about it in chapter 1 and in chapter 2. And we know that Jesus is light and in Him there is no darkness. Second word that you might would help us to understand what it means to have fellowship and to know that we know Him is paraclete. So we have a multiple choice as well. You may be ready. Are you ready to play the game? We're ready. A, is it a small bird usually kept in a cage? B, is it a pair of shoes worn by when playing football? Or is it C, an advocate, one who comes alongside and helps? If you said C, well, you are making 100% so far. It's an English word, paraclete, sometimes translated, and we read it in the English Standard Version, or I did a moment ago, as advocate. Sometimes an understanding, not everybody likes this comparison, but sometimes an understanding, an advocate, it's like a lawyer who comes with you in court in order to be able to plead your case. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, we read it a moment ago. John tells us one reason he's writing is so that you will not sin or you'll not keep sinning. So is it possible to not sin? John's already told his readers, if you say that you do not sin or have no sin, you're not sinning, well, you're a great big fibber. Actually, he said it a little bit stronger than that, didn't he? If you look back at 1 John chapter 1, he says, If you say you have no sin, you're a liar. Not only that, but you are calling God a liar. But when you do sin, he says, you have a paraclete. It's an English word. The paraclete is Jesus. And he does not say, he doesn't come alongside you and say that you're not a sinner. He doesn't say, no, sin's not all that bad. But instead, he comes along you so that you may not sin. And when you do, you're not condemned because Jesus took your penalty of sin and you are forgiven. This might help. That word paraclete, translated advocate in sometimes, sometimes the word paraclete is used in different translations. It's the same word that's used in the Gospel of John. When Jesus said, I'm sending you another, he will be your comforter. It's the exact same word that is used there. So who is the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is Jesus living inside of us so that he may help us along the way, help us to not sin. Jesus is the one who is our advocate in heaven. When we do sin, he pleads and he makes the case that he's already paid in full our penalty if you're in Christ. Are you having fun so far? Propitiation is the third word. We have this word. We have three multiple choice I hope that you don't you hadn't missed any so far. Wish there was a prize. The first one, propitiation. The act of throwing a baseball by a major league pitcher is A. B, a change in the Earth's atmosphere due to global warming. So that's what they've been talking about. Or is it three, the removal of judgment and condemnation through the blood of Jesus? A C is the answer, in case you're wondering about those. But C is the answer. I'm sure that you got those right. A penalty had to be paid. Only one was worthy to take the penalty on our behalf. In the pagan culture of 2,000 years ago when John was writing this, when Jesus was here on the earth, they would understand this idea of propitiation, particularly from the pagan culture, because often they had to give propitiations, sometimes children and others who were sacrificed to the gods in order that the gods would not be bad toward them, in order that nothing bad would happen. And the problem is they make one propitiation, one sacrifice, well, another one. They didn't have to give another. It'd be on and on, be a never-ending process. But look at, look at verse 2. 1 John 2, 2, what does it say about Jesus? He is the propitiation. 
He is the only, one and only. There is no need for any other. So genuine believers are saved from the penalty of sin and there are no, there's no judgment. Genuine believers also live by the power of Christ's love and are able to live and know His forgiveness and know assurance. Now, to be able to define these three words, even to be able to spell them correctly, is not as important as understanding the truths and the concepts that they proclaim. All who know Christ abide in Him. Jesus comes alongside you to help you not to sin, but when you do sin, He forgives you, puts you back in fellowship. And it's all made possible by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross who paid the full price. Now, i got to tell you, you just made it through a few moments of pretty deep theology that's talked about in John's Gospel. To understand these things has helped us to be able to understand what it means to be able to abide in Christ and what He does for us. It's important that we know we know Him, and it is important what we know about Him as well. Several years ago, I had a senior adult lady in the church I was pastoring. She came and brought to me her old Bible, covers falling off, and pages, you know, looking worn like a Bible should look after many, many years of use. And she said, Brother Jeff, you know anybody that can recover my old Bible? And I said, well, I said, there's a bookstore. I think they'll send it off, and let me go and see if I can't get that, uh, see how much that would cost for you. So the next time I went, took her Bible, and they called me back, had a price for it. Wow, it's pretty expensive to get a Bible recovered. And so I called her up. I said, now you can get your Bible recovered. This is the cost. I said, but I got to tell you, I could buy you two spanking brand new Bibles for the cost of getting this one recovered better than, you know, much better shape or whatever. And I never forget what she said. She said, well, Brother Jeff, I don't know what it is about that old Bible, but I sure do love it. And I said, it does not matter the cost. I want a brand new cover. And she got a brand new cover for a Bible. A couple of years went by, she passed away. And I was telling about at the funeral about when she had asked about her Bible and I held her new Bible up. And I said, this week the Lord looked down upon her and looked at her old, her worn body after many years of good use. And he said, I love her and I care about her and I want to put a brand new cover on her. Let me tell you, we may not understand it. We may not understand why. But regardless of the cost, Jesus wanted us to be able to know Him and to be able to have new life in Him. And so He made it possible. He paid the cost, the cost of the ultimate cost of Jesus dying on the cross so that we might be able to know who Christ is and so that, we might, so that you might know you know Him. Also, how can you know that you belong to Jesus? Know you obey Him and His Word. Know you obey Him and His Word. John clearly says one indicator of the true follower of Jesus is obedience to His Word. But as we've already found out, well, nobody can reach perfect obedience. So what kind of obedience is he talking about? Well, certainly he's talking about our attitude and our actions. Now, most of us, I mean, if you really ask, most of us think we're, we're pretty good persons. We're pretty good individuals. That's because we compare ourselves to one another. I mean, no matter how bad you are or no matter how bad I am, there's always somebody worse. Surely you can find somebody worse than you, so we must be pretty good. Now, truly, none of us are good according to God's Word. We, we're to try to live up to the Bible and living by His Word. We know that we fall short. An encounter with the Lord will bring a change in motivation and a change in behavior. Now, for some people, it is dramatic. Maybe you've known somebody. Maybe you are somebody. When you came to know the Lord, you're your attitude and your actions changed overnight. And for other people, maybe it's a little more gradual. Keep in mind that the only biblical 
Only biblical Christianity calls for attitude and action adjustment because you've been saved rather than asking for a change in the behavior so there'll be a prize waiting in hopes that you might be able to get to heaven or you might have something along the way. Because there's no way in which we could qualify without Christ. No one deserves the trophy of a relationship and eternity with Jesus. By His grace, though, Christ offers this free gift to help us. Let's consider why some people obey. Some people obey because they have to. A slave, for instance, has to obey the master, maybe to live or whatever, but maybe your children feel like they have to obey because that's how they first learn obedience, perhaps. Not to live, but, you know, that they're in the home, maybe that's the way it should be. Then some people obey because they need to. I mean, as an employee, you might feel that you need to obey follow the guidelines. and Everybody works for somebody. I work for the Lord Jesus and the 795 members of the Parkway Baptist Church. So we, we all, we feel like we need to do that maybe as an employee and, and uh, plus the paycheck comes in handy. So we might need to. Some people obey because they want to. Ah, this is the motivational change Christ has continued to put in your heart. You want to please Jesus. You want to find more ways to please Him. So so you search the Word of God so that you might find more ways to praise Him and more ways that you might be able to follow Him. Lord, brings you to a place so that you're not looking for loopholes anymore. Well, I can justify doing this, you know, because God's Word said this or the preacher said that. Nor do you want to find yourself, though, so that you're living on the edge, but instead you want to live in the center of those things that pleases God. And then when you do sin, you realize that you passionately ask for His forgiveness and by faith you know that you're forgiven, giving you even more incentive to want to obey. And as a follower of Jesus, you may not be there yet, but this is what Christ is actively creating in you. A heart for Jesus from the largest to the least command and even the whisper of God you want to follow. Tell like that Old Testament story of King David. They're fighting the Philistines and David and his men are inside a cave and David longs for, maybe even says maybe offhandedly, how he longs for the waters of the well of Bethlehem near the gate. Bethlehem being his hometown. Three of his most faithful and courageous men overhear David making this. And so they fight for the night in order to leave the cave and make their way to Bethlehem and fight back again in order to be able to bring the water to bring their king his smallest request. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you belong to him, Jesus has begun to put that desire in your heart. And the closer you are to Jesus, the more faithful you become. And have no doubt it takes courage to determine what's right and wrong and then choose that which is not just good, but that which is the very best. Do that which is pleasing to God and is according to his word. How how can you know you belong to Jesus? Well, know that you resemble Him. Know you resemble... The moment you become a follower of Jesus, you're on a lifelong quest to become more and more like Christ or Christ-like. And and have no doubt, you become like what you worship. I mean, if you worship, if your attention and your allegiance and your tribute is to this world or to anything or anybody in this world, you'll become more like the world. But if you worship Christ, you'll become more like Christ. And resemble him. And there, but there are many professing Christians and genuine believers who resemble the world 
more than they resemble Christ. New Testament talks about it. Apostle Paul called them carnal Christians or worldly believers. So can you truly be in the family of God but live like the devil or look more like the world than the Jesus of heaven? Yes, according to what the New Testament teaches. And it may be, maybe particularly in our culture, more Christians look like the world or resemble the devil than look like Jesus. But, but I want to give you this morning, I want to give you incentive from God's word, incentive to become more and more like Christ. First of all, Jesus' grace and forgiveness is enough incentive. The forgiveness of sin offered by Jesus, it never should be an excuse for sin. Oh, he's going to forgive me anyway. It, God forbid it should be the greatest motivation to, what, to want to be like him. If you got your Bibles open, look at verse 6. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6. It says, whoever says he abides in him, whoever says he abides in Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. He, he could have made it. Our Lord could have made it where you had to do something. I mean, you got to do something in order to be able to buy it. You got you to achieve something in order to be able to walk with him to get to heaven. The problem is none of us could ever do enough in order to do that. So instead, it's not something that you could ever do. Instead, it's what Jesus has already done. It's the difference between do and done. Jesus has already done for us so that we might be able to know him. His death and his free gift is incentive enough. But also, what's another? No matter what this world has to offer, this world which is filled with darkness, walking in the light will be much better. Why do you want to try to resemble? Because he's got something better in store. What did John say? Last part of verse 8. I hope you have your Bibles looking at these. It says, the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. What? The darkness is passing away. Is he talking about somewhere in the future? No, he's talking about right now. You ever seemed over? Even right now, does it seem, the darkness seem overwhelming? We believe by faith and know that the light is shining because it's shining in you and because of who you are, we know that it is still shining. And if you've seen the darkness of this world, then why would you want to walk in it? Instead, you want to go the opposite direction. You want to walk in the light of who Christ is. Also, another incentive, you get to join in on the greatest work in the universe. And the more you resemble Christ, the more you are a fit vessel to be able to be used for kingdom work. Also, you and other people will see in you clearly that you belong to Jesus. Walk in the light. So you can tell that you walk. So other people can tell as well. While none of us are truly by, good by God's standards, we have good neighbors, don't we? Some of you. I mean, we've got good co-workers perhaps or good people that you know. Some Christians, some not. Some, I mean, they seem to be. 2020, if nothing else, for some people, it has shown some people's true colors. I mean, whether they had a good heart or not. They'll maybe help neighbors and help other people. And then there's other people that are become maybe revealed a little bit more selfish, maybe a little bit more of their agenda, whether it be political or otherwise. The difference for a believer is that we're not focusing on our good deeds, we're not focusing on ourselves, but we're focusing on Jesus. You say, man, he's my motivation. He's the one that I want to be. I want to be like him. First John chapter 3 and verse 2, you might have to turn your page or it's also there on your screen or in your notes. But notice it, we'll talk more about this first in days to come, but it says, Beloved, we're God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears... 
We shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. One day we're going to be like Jesus. Not divine. We're not going to be a God. But we'll finally resemble him perfectly. And we'll see him face to face. So we got the past. The fact, look what Jesus has done for us. That's incentive. Look, he's forgiven us of sin. We got the present. Oh, it's incentive that we can get in on kingdom work and we can abide with him every day. And we've got the future because one day we know that we're going to resemble him perfectly. We're going to see him face to face. Well, how else can you know that you belong to him? Know you love him and others. What is it that can be old and new at the same time? We just read it, verses 7 and 8, I think, but what can be old and new at the same time? It's the command to love one another. John, as the writer of the gospel, wrote the gospel first, and he might just assume that everybody that's reading this already read his gospel. So we know that the command is there because he told us in John chapter 13 and verse 35, Jesus said, by this all people know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And even before that, we find in Leviticus, way early in the Old Testament, when God said of God's people, love thy neighbor as thyself, Jesus then later defined that a neighbor anyone who's in need. So we got the old commandment part. We've heard it before. Love God, love others. What makes it a new commandment? Now, if you got, I'd say I love for you to be able to see stuff. So if you look in the middle part of verse 8, it gives the hint what makes it new. It says, when it becomes true in Christ and in you. When you experience God's love for the very first time. Or when you go deeper in your love for Him. Or maybe you've gone through some awful, terrible, heartache, difficult time, but you called upon Jesus and you experienced more of His love that maybe that you would not have experienced had you not gone through the valleys. And then you discover you knew, you've heard about God's love, you've talked about it maybe to others, but now you did not know the depth of it until this perhaps came about. And now His love because you've experienced more of Him, His love can become new, fresh, and even exciting. Speaking of Girl Scout cookies, have you, have you tried the new French toast cookie? Now, I'm not saying it's as good as God's love, you understand. But, but I want you to be able to see this. Girl Scout cookies, that's old news. I mean, we buy them every year, you understand. But that's a, that, But there's something new. Now it's something new. God's love. Well, we've heard about that before. But when it becomes fresh, new, and exciting, it becomes something new in our life. The old commandment became something new when it became true in you. And you began to love others more because you've experienced more of His love. Because of Jesus, you can love the people that you already love even more and you can love all the people that Jesus loves. Well, who is it that Jesus loves? You know the answer to that. This, uh, this Wednesday, presidential inauguration, perhaps like no other in history. First, we know because of COVID-19, there will only be just a few that will be invited. Because of the events of the last couple of weeks, we know that there are, what, 10,000s of military and police will do their best to make all things secure in an unprecedented fashion. Please forgive me for the overuse of the word unprecedented. But, but imagine, if you would, for just a moment, there was no COVID-19, and this Wednesday, millions showed up. Instead of 
protests and riots, they all held hands. Democrats and Republicans, red, yellow, black and white, military and police, all those who are part of news reporters and people who love Facebook and Twitter. And they all sang Kumbaya and they, when it was over, they all hugged and kissed one another and wished the best for one another. Would that be new? Would it be unprecedented? So the old commandment can become new. John, the writer of the gospel of John, the, John, the writer of these letters, also the one who penned the words of Revelation. He paints for us a picture that was showed to him of millions, if not billions, of people of all nations and of all tribes and of all people groups and of all languages who are gathered around the throne of Jesus giving praise his name. So what you imagined just a moment ago is kind of a silly thing. It's going to take place. It is made possible by the love of Jesus and all those who experience him. Now John just barely introducing this concept of God's love in chapter 2. It becomes a major theme in his letters. And I think I'm going to save John 4 maybe for February the 14th so that we can find and understand more about this oh so important idea of God's love and the child of God has experienced him that goes way beyond the Valentine or romantic love. So we're going to talk more about it. But for now, you want to know that you love God. And this translates in loving others. Because the scripture tells us those who hate their brothers or sisters are walking in darkness, spiritually blind. They do not know where they're going. But the good news is, if you know Christ and his love, you can forgive because you've been forgiven. You can love, you can love more, you can love people that you did not think it was possible to love. You're no longer blind, but you're walking in the light with no cause of stumbling. What's, what's the title of this series? Living with Assurance. It looks like living assurance. Both are good. But it's possible, made possible because of God's love. You need to understand these things that John had been talking about. They're indicators or results of salvation. These are not ways to be saved. But if you know and are following and growing in Christ, you'll have a better understanding of Jesus. You'll know you know Him. You will become more faithful and know that you obey Him. If you know Christ abiding Him and growing in Him, you'll become more like Him. You know that you'll resemble Him. You'll also love more and know that you love Him and others. These help you to know and certainly allow other people to know and to be able to see Jesus in you. Indicators of the results of salvation. But today, let's be real clear. Let's be real clear. How can you know that you're saved? How can you know that you know today that you're saved? Or how can you know how you can be saved today? We're going to talk about the ABCs of assurance or the ABCs of salvation. And the first one is this. Admit your need for Jesus and need for forgiveness of sin. All of us are sinners who are in need of Jesus. Have you done that? Do you know that you have a need for Christ? And B, believe God's son died on the cross and rose again. Need to believe what the Bible tells us about Jesus, that he is the son of God. He is the divine one. He is God in the flesh who came, lived a perfect life, paid our penalty on the cross and rose again. And C, call upon Jesus to be Savior and Lord of your life. I can tell you, when you're in those dark moments or 
perhaps you've done something wrong or perhaps you're wondering and God seems far away and you're wondering exactly what's going on or what's happening and you're thinking, does God really love me? Do I really have a place in heaven? Does God abide in me? Remember that you've done these things. And it is, if you're sincere and asking Christ to come in to be your Savior and Lord, the Bible says that He'll come in and He'll be at work so that you might know these things that we've talked about here today. So we encourage you, if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you may continue to put your faith in Him, continue to walk and to grow. And you can know, if you've not placed your faith in Jesus yet, don't put it off. Today, let today be the day that you follow the ABCs. It's not because of anything that you've done, but it's because of what Christ has done. He's offered you this free gift. This is how we receive this gift, by faith, through grace. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come and be at a place where you are at the center. Father, we pray that you'll be the center of all of our hearts today and in the days to come. We thank you, Father, how we can trust in you for all things. And we pray, Father, and pray for believers today who know Christ. We pray that you may give them assurance. May Satan or no one come and say that that can be taken away because we know that we are securing Christ if we've placed our faith in you and asked you for forgiveness. And Father, we pray also for those who may be here today or listening that if they don't know Christ yet or even still are not sure, may today be the day that they settle the issue. Even now, even in these moments, asking Jesus to forgive them of their sins. Placing their faith and believing that Jesus is the Son of God who died and rose again is alive today. And even now, calling upon Jesus to come and be Savior and Lord of their life. Thank you, Father, for the great work, miraculous work that you do in each one of us who call upon you. It's in Jesus' name we lift these prayers. Amen.